0: Episode 10. In this episode, we have Professor Nicolas Sagnac, a Savat instructor and fighter. We talk about Savat competition, rules, unique training and education France is using for kids and his early days transitioning from light contact to full contact Savat fighter.
1: What I really needed is to be able to uh, get better uh, with adversity. And accept that being hit is part of the game.
0: Do you want to learn Muay Thai, the art of eight limbs? Check out my book, Muay Thai Mastery, a comprehensive step-by-step guide to the techniques of Muay Thai. It covers all the offensive, defensive, and clinching techniques of Muay Thai, as well as pad holding, training to be a fighter, and Muay Thai scoring. You can purchase it on Amazon. It's called Muay Thai Mastery. welcome to the martial arts junkies podcast all martial arts all the time this is where we talk with martial arts instructors students and competitors about teaching training competing history philosophy and anything to do with martial arts now your hosts jerry lorita and james marler all right Nicholas Sanyak, how are you doing today sir
1: I'm doing great, I'm so happy to be here and have this opportunity to talk about, uh, about Savat. So thank you for having
0: me. You're welcome. So to give our listeners who maybe who don't know who you are, can you give a little bit of background, you know, where you're from, how you got started in martial arts, how old you were?
1: So I started martial arts, my first experience was when I was uh, about 13 years old. I had a cousin that was doing Shotokan and he was uh, into Bruce Lee. And so he taught me a few things over a summer and, and I got, you know, very excited and watched movies of course, and was trying, you know, for years to uh, find places to train. And it was always in the back of my mind. I did a little bit of judo a couple of years later. Um, and then much, much later, I uh, found this place where, you know, they were offering free classes and that was perfect because I didn't have any money. And I was just remembering this old, um, Salah TV show that's, uh, we can actually find on uh, YouTube. That's called Brigade du Tigre. So it was kind of, a uh, like a SWAT kind of team with, uh, people working, um, um, right before the start of the first world war. And that was really where, um, Salah was its, was at its peak. So, people were training and they were kicking each other. And I really like that.
0: Nice. So can you kind of just talk about like what Savat is for those uh, that don't really know what Savat is?
1: So I think we can define Savat as, um, um, and it's not from me, it's, it's from, um, I think, um, uh, Alexandre Dumas, the writer and the, the Three Musketeers uh, writer who used to be a journalist. Um, and we used to write about uh, Savat fights um, at its peak. And he used to define it as the art of fencing with hands and feet. So okay. it's it's a fighting art now that uh, uses the um, the shoes to strike with, and with uh, techniques that come from street fighting um, techniques put together within a system of self-defense. And in the early to the late eighteen hundreds.
0: Now, was it, I, I read something, was it kind of popular with like sailors and stuff like that?
1: I hear this question a lot. Um, so there was basically two, two schools. Um, one was most located in the north of France, Paris. And then the okay. other one was in the south, Marseille. And Marseille being a port, then, um, you know, sailors were, were practicing. And there's a lot of pictures, you know, dating back to um, the 1800s where we see sailors, training holding onto the side of the boat to throw kicks um so you know those pictures being primary sources of of you know history and information we can definitely deduct that you know those people were training and um but what we know for sure is that there was two distinct style um of uh, so one in the north there was that privileged low kicking technique and and uh, hand strikes and in the South, uh, as, uh, as in Marseille, it was, uh, the kicking techniques were a little bit more developed with, uh, some high kicks
0: and different positioning. So different can you just explain that a little bit more? So in the North, it was just low kicks. Is that what you were saying? It
1: was mostly low kicks. Yeah. Okay. And, in the, south, and in the
0: South, they started adding the kicking to the head too. Yes. And then the boxing too, is that correct?
1: So the boxing didn't come until the 1830s when uh, one of the Salat uh, masters in the North in Paris uh, uh, assimilated the, all the boxing techniques from uh, England. Because uh, boxing was really starting to, to become popular because it was uh, a professional type of fighting and um, really draining a lot of people for the fights. And this particular person um, happened to fight um, a boxer from England and basically got beat up and realized that um, the hands technique were definitely a lot more efficient.
0: Or a good addition to the legs too, correct? Yeah.
1: And so he decided to put it together. It was his first method. Uh, method. His name is, uh, was uh, Charles Lecourt. And he opened a few schools, you know, people um, people came. Uh, he used to fight, uh, you know, other Savat fighters. And it definitely showed that uh, those were, you know, great addition uh, that were making a big difference. And so there's a few more after him, but I think it's one of the, the, the first predominant uh, precursor of what Savat looks like now.
0: Okay, so he's basically the guy who most people recognize as the guy who brought yeah. everything together.
1: Yeah. The first okay, one. Cool. Then there was uh, later on, uh, toward the eighteen fifties uh, and eighteen seventies, uh, two people named Charlemont, uh, so father and son, uh, put together like the 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 Savat, uh, methods that we basically know now, where everything came from.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So,
1: so then Charlemont,
0: his name is uh-huh. Charlemont. Okay. Yeah. So he's the father, fa- I guess, the grandfather of what is modern yeah, today. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay.
0: Now, who did you learn from?
1: I learned from, uh, um uh, someone was named Franco Di Guglielmo, who was, um, in the mid to late eighties. Uh, he became very, uh, very successful with his fighters, um, in the south of France, Toulouse, because that's where I'm from. And, um, and he had a lot of uh, young people that he brought from, really from, from scratch and he brought them to the highest level. So I had the chance to uh, study with him and, and have him in my corner. And it was really, he's the guy that make, made a difference for me.
0: So he took you all the way to the top of the, uh, so how far did you go in Savant? Cause I, I, I wanna know about that.
1: Um, so I won the French cup in 1988. Okay. And, um, and then I, I competed for another couple of years after that. And then I, I decided to move, uh, here to the country, to this country, this beautiful country. And then I decided, uh, to stay after, after having met someone who became my wife, um, and then I came here and the rest is nice. You know, now nice. how
0: long has the world championships in Savat been around compared to the French cup?
1: The world championship came in i think the first one was um the year after i finished so it was 1999 was the first world championship
0: okay so prior to that though then the french cup was the bigger tournament is that it
1: so there was several different type of competition there was the french championship there was the french cup and there was the european championship okay and it was What's, primarily countries from europe uh, fighting i mean for the european championship because they didn't have an international um development that was i guess wide enough to to call it a world championship
0: okay so you you competed in the french cup right yes okay um so now with your instructor what was your training like that you were doing to train for that so the training,
1: uh, the salad training, the typical salad training starts with, um, with shadow boxing and then uh, themes, uh, so sparring drills, uh, nonstop. And depending on the, on the people uh, that we are fighting, then those, those themes, which are, you know, basically micro strategies that you, you practice, uh, of course, change in function of the, the needs.
0: Now, was there anything that he did that was maybe unique to him or no?
1: I think at the time,
0: um,
1: his way of uh, using the footwork was definitely different than uh, than most. Um, and you know, when I think of, of uh, you know myself and and the guys that were at the top, uh, one of the fighters that he had, Bertrand Sancourt, won absolutely everything. I mean, like the French Cup, the, the championship, the European Championship, the World Championship. Um, the, the footwork was definitely, I think the one thing that made the difference.
0: Okay. So he really incorporated footwork. Was it more from boxing or was it something he kind of developed on his own?
1: A little bit of both. I think it should, um, how can I put it? Um, he put the elements of, of boxing, but the stance, you know, for uh, uh, kickboxing art is definitely a little bit, uh, it's not as spread out as uh, traditional boxing. So, okay. you know, the feet are a little bit closer together. Um, and and just the ability to, to use the ring and to use the footwork. Okay. To use the ring strategically, both offensively and defensively. Uh, I think it was uh, really one of the... The one coach is at the time, it, you know, in the mid um, '80s, that was uh, just pushing that, and it was it was allowing us to use our distance to the best of our abilities.
0: Now, there's two types of like competition. It's like assault and combat, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Assault or is it assault?
1: Uh, we call it asso. Assault.
0: assault, Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, combat. So the combat is for contact and aso is like contact. Uh, okay. so, uh, you know, for people to understand like contact, uh, my coach used to say like contact is the same thing as, uh, for contact, but there's no power. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he didn't want the attitude to change, uh, for him, it's still, you know, you're in the ring, you have to have a fighting mentality. And the yeah. only difference in like contact is that you don't deliver blows to uh inflict uh physical damage so okay. you can knock out and if you do uh, happen to knock down or knock somebody out then you might get disqualified or i mean you might get like official warnings and eventually
0: disqualifications now what brought that about why the difference in in uh competition format light contact versus full contact
1: i think what it brings is is a different uh different set of skills um the one thing to i think that's important to uh, to understand uh is that um there is th- the way competition in Savat is set up uh it's set up in such a way that um you know when you start uh for the first two technical ranks all you can do well for the first actually i would say the first four technical ranks all you can do is like contact you are not okay. allowed to participate to for contact competition unless you have until you have a, uh, a minimum rank of yellow glove, which is I would say the equivalent of a brown belt in most uh, most uh, martial arts systems.
0: Okay. So like right before what we consider black belt or something. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then, um, so until you got this, you cannot fight for contact. The other thing that's important to understand is that you cannot do any for contact until, until you turn uh, 16 years old.
0: Okay. And,
1: you know, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. It's, it's really done to preserve, um, the, you know, the physical integrity of, of all the competitors and to ensure some type of, you know, longevity and, um, with the spawn.
0: Okay. Now, can you kind of talk about the rules of, Savat because I, I really want to learn more about how that works because I watch it and from just a outsider looking at it's entertaining but I don't really know what they're looking for and what they're doing as far okay. as scoring. So in
1: terms of scoring um, that's a very good question because in terms of scoring uh, what people need to understand is that the only um, uh, whether it's, it's light or full contact the only kick that are uh, counting to all, uh, to, to all the round, all the kick that are executed with the leg fully extended and striking with a part of the shoe. Okay. So those two components are very important. And I, and I think that's what, uh, really defines what SABAT is in terms of, of distance, because if you're too close, you can extend your leg. And if you can extend your leg, then you can exe- execute uh, the kick properly, you know, following the rules and then the judges will not give you the benefit of, uh, of a strike.
0: Um, if you're too close. Okay, so the leg has to basically be fully extended and you have to make yeah. contact with the foot.
1: Yeah, so with different power, depending on, on, on the type of kicks that you that you use. Uh, but it, it is the most important uh, piece. So for, for light contact, um, a kick to the leg is worth one point. A kick to the body, two points. A kick to the head, four points. Okay. A punch is one point. In the series of punches, you only get the benefit of two touches at a time. So if you fire two punches, you break it up with a kick, you fire another two punches, then you can keep scoring continuously. Uh, but you can also, that doesn't mean that because you can only, uh, get two points in a series of punches that you have to stop after two punches. That's really not what it means. And I think some people misunderstand uh, this, this rule a little bit. So for the light contact, what's happening is what the the judges, you know, basically count the number of points for, for each competitors. Uh, Then they look at the technicality and the type of, uh, you know, diversity of kicks that were used, Uh, if there were some high kicks, some low kicks, and then they give uh, a 2-2 if it's a draw. A three-two if if someone um, you know was was uh, winning, and then the three-to-one if there's like a big gap uh, or big difference between the two.
0: Okay, and how many rounds are there?
1: It depends on on the level of competition. Okay. So, um, light contact when you start, you you will start with three rounds of one and a half minutes. Okay. And then your build-up to uh, the French Cup was uh, four rounds of one and a half minutes. But it's, it's a tournament format, which means that you may start in the round of eight and then move to quarter, semi, and then final and all that in the same day. Um, for the, the championship, it can be... a um, uh, The championship is not a, a tournament, but the, the championship, it's a five two-minute rounds but the european and the world championship have uh, a tournament format and it can start as early as quarter-final and then everything is going to be the same day or throughout uh, a weekend and it's three two minute rounds and for this type of competition they were at gear
0: okay just to offset contact and stuff then right
1: now for um, kids, yeah but those those can be those are full contact so you know, uh, so for the French championship, no, they, there's no, there's no headgear. There's only mouse piece and, and groin protector. Uh, but for the tournament format, yes, they do kind of what they do in amateur
0: boxing. OK, now, can kid do kids compete in Savat younger than 16? Oh, Without, yes, but they, but they have no, no, they can do head contact,
1: but it has to be like contact
0: okay like contact
1: it cannot be for contact and one thing that um i think is is really really good uh with um kids salad competition is that the there's no adults in the corner in uh sitting as judges or as refereeing it's everything is being done by kids under 16. really yeah, so there's, there's an official delegate who will make sure that, um, you know, all the ring are provided with uh, judges and refs and, and organize the, the, you know, the lineup for, for, for the competition and making sure that there's medical assistance. But other than that, there's no adults. Like adults, you know, are outside waiting, but even the cornering is being done by,
0: by, uh, by kids. Now, I think I have an idea, but why is that, though? I've never heard this before in any of the other combat sports. That's why yes. I'm
1: asking. So this is, I mean, when I say fairly new, it's new for me because uh, that hasn't started until after I would left the country. Okay. So it's been for about, you know, 20, 25 years, uh, something like that. And it's because um, they they want the kids to really take care of uh, their about and, and this not being interfered by, you know, adults that might have a different, you know, feeling about what competition can be and what, uh, and it's just to develop this, this ability to, um, I would say to uh, strategize and put in place strategies and, and to, to listen to a voice that is not necessarily a strong and, and uh, loud voice. So basically, you don't have. So, one of the things uh, in Savat is that as, a, as a, uh, an assistant or a coach, you are not supposed to be coaching during the round. So, you are not supposed to be heard at all. Uh, and the ref can actually ask you to stop doing it. It can stop the bar to say that you have to be quiet because uh, it's considered that w- once the round starts, it is for the fighters and for the fighters only and they don't want anybody to interfere with this.
0: So now the referee is a kid also? For the kids, yes. Now, do they have to move through like a progression before they move through different stages of like judging or referee? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 absolutely. I think that's one thing that's, that's well done. The, the curriculum and so that you have, um, you know, you have several avenues to uh, to go into. So if you want to be a competitor you have to make sure that you have the technical rank that allow you to participate to the competition that you want to participate but if you want to teach you also have to have a minimal uh, a minimum of uh, technical rank in order to be uh, teaching so uh, you know the first teaching level uh, you can only take this exam if you are a red glove and then for the next one you have to be yellow glove and then for the highest one you have to be silver glove
0: Okay for so the they're reffing, kind of a line then.
1: Yes, absolutely. And for the refing it's exactly the same. So refing and judging. So you may have like a general um uh, you know training uh for judging and refing, but at some point most people will you know get more specific. So you have um the basic training is judging and refing and you can uh judge and ref at the regional level. But then you move into national level. And then eventually, international
0: level. I like that because it one, it helps to develop the education of the kids and Absolutely. they start to really learn and appreciate the art and the system. And it'll then develop all the future instructors later on, too.
1: Absolutely. And also, you know, some people are good at refing, some people are good at coaching, some people are good at competing. Um, I think there's, there's ways uh, to. Um, I guess channel your your energy and what you're good at into what you feel you're the best at
0: allow people to participate at the level that they want to participate in absolutely absolutely okay cool now i mean since you were competing how has savat uh competition changed has it kind of like evolved i i think
1: i mean yes um so to give you an idea when savat was a sport demonstration in the paris olympic in 1924, it was, uh, it was a point system type of decision where, okay. you know, the first one to strike the rifle stop, you know, touche, boom, then they, they separate just like in fets fencing and other point system martial, art, uh, uh, style in the sixties was really the time where, uh, you could see a change and, and, um, and fighters being, uh, more geared to all uh, punching and, and really full contact. And that, that changed um, what Savat used to be, which used to be like, you know, touching with the kicks and, and with, you know, the body maybe bleeding back and not so much um, uh, combinations of uh, punches. Okay. And so from the 60s on, um, I think the big turnaround was in early eighties when, uh, when they started organizing, um, European championship and big, to me, there was a big, uh, influence from, uh, Holland and people such as Ernesto Hoost, uh, or Lucia Riker who were competing in Sabat uh, and so that definitely, I think, uh, changed the style as a more competitive and more efficient, uh, type of, uh, kickboxing.
0: Yeah, I was in Holland and I was training with this one uh, kickboxing instructor and he, w- he told me he was competing in Savat, kickboxing, Muay Thai. He was even doing Kyoko Shin just so that he could stay active.
1: Yeah, yeah. and, and they, they really had, um, you know, those schools, I mean, you're or, you know, particularly um, he had people that were fighting in our system, as you said. And, yeah. you know, for them, it's, it's, it's not only to, uh, to stay busy, but it's also to, you know, captivate and, and put a system together of, of things that work for each one of them. And what was interesting is that every single one of those fighters was, uh, was different. So Ernesto Hus, for example, that, you know, is known for his success in in K-1, his first kickboxing title was in Savat, and that was uh, the European Championship in 1988. He was a middleweight and he was super skinny he was like this and so super long you know legs and and, and punches and and of course he destroyed everybody hmm
0: interesting i did not know that he competed in savat
1: yeah he did he did he was he was very young um you can probably catch that uh, on youtube somewhere it's it's interesting to see him fighting at such a long range
0: yeah Instead which we don't close
1: yeah which we don't really realize you know with uh, with heavyweight i mean of course it you know bucked up and, and put up a lot of weight so that definitely limited his uh, his movement uh, but it definitely as he sailed down more became more of a combination fighter and and i can knock out artists
0: now I mean, the Savat uniform how did that come about
1: i'm really not sure uh other than, um, the people like Charlemagne were wearing those, uh, those tight pants and, you know, and just like, a, a shirt, uh, on top. But the tight pants is something that's been uh, going on this TV show that I was watching, you know, that's, that's what they were wearing. I'm not sure where it comes from. Um, I can't really tell, but what I can say is that, uh, by weighing this uniform, you can see when the leg is extended or not. And that's definitely a very good tool for the judges to, to appreciate the distance or to not count, you know, something if the leg is not fully extended, okay. It's much easier to catch. So okay. whether that's the reason or not, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, positive, but, um, it's, I know the uniform, um, has been, you know, kind of a controversy for, for, for people it used to be like a one, uh, one piece uniform. Um, it doesn't have to be anymore. It can be, you know, pants and then, uh, a top, uh, but it has to be tight. And it, now for the past 15 to 20 years, there's a section called pro Sabbat that is organized. That is part of the Sabbath Federation, but it's just one, uh, one different section and they only wear the pants, pants and shoes.
0: Oh, so expatriated. No, bare, no chest. Top then, bare yeah. yeah. Interesting. Now, when you were competing, I mean, so in the in the French Cup, who was like uh, one of the matches that you you have good memories of? That was a good competition for you. Um,
1: I, my best match was uh, the first time I did it, it. It was in final, and it was someone named uh, Ben Gaffour, and he was the European champion at the time. So the the thing that was interesting with uh, uh, the French Cup, it's kind of an open tournament. so anybody can participate. And then so he goes through uh, you know department, I mean uh, state and then state, and then uh, finally the final uh, tournament at the end. So this guy was the big name. It was really on top of his game and uh, and it was uh, it was definitely my best uh, my best memory for
0: sure. For so sure. he was already a European champion, and then you yeah. ended up fighting him in the French Cup. Yeah, and yeah in you the ended final. up winning then, I guess, right?
1: not that not that year i uh, i won the following year oh uh, okay did you fight the him at the
0: following year too
1: no he wasn't there i was thinking about him and I, I i really wanted to check you know how much uh how uh, you know i progressed uh, in one year but uh, he didn't participate that year but it was um he had um uh, he had a very good fight against uh someone that uh we know so that they, they had a competition They didn't have world championships at the time but they had competition with um teams coming from uh, different continents so they had one against uh Japan and they had one against uh, the US and I was in 87 and he fought uh Mike Young Mike Young Yeah who's from uh, West Covina so yeah um and uh which had the chance to meet when i came here and you know and every time we uh, we talk about it uh we talk about that fight because we had a common uh
0: opponent oh so that guy okay now you yeah. were you just said something like uh you they have like the interstate and the outer state as far as the competition what is that about
1: so what this is about is um you know like the city or the the state that you're around you have to compete and win so it's like a mini tournament okay you have to win this to go to the next level okay and then you go through a region so it's it's you know four or five states together and then uh the people who come at the end of the tournament are people that have each 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 of them as one like one part of you know france so there was like i don't know like eight regions or something like that
0: oh i thought you were it was in reference to the uh the french cup as far as other countries and stuff
1: no no um so the competition in Savat are always set up the same way like you have to go level by level okay um and even when you when you win uh the national title when you come back the following year you start back at the bottom okay Uh, so i mean i i don't know that's the way it is so you know it's something that i'm used to so it doesn't uh, shock me Uh, but except for savat pro savat pro is different savat pro is you know matchmaking someone has a belt and then you know they get a uh contender uh, through managers and they organize it and they run that through the federation and then uh, they make the fight happen but a- every other competition you start at the bottom and then you just work your way through every single year
0: now are there levels is it or is it by the rank the competition like a it's, class b class c class
1: it's kind of the same thing but like the you can only do the french championship uh if you are in the a class Okay. Like before, you can do competition, but only with C-class fighters. Okay. Okay. So when you at the low, uh, lower uh, technical level, then you'll fight, you
0: know, people that are your
1: technical level.
0: So and now, then, do you guys actually use C-class, B-class, A-class, or no? It's not called A, B, C.
1: Okay. But it's um, it's the, the the name of the competition is is uh, level that way, and it also um in um for the french championship when you start fighting for contact you fight uh, the first set of fights uh with ed Geer and shin guns. okay and you have to show you know you have to have um anywhere between five and ten fights and if you score enough points if you have enough wins then you move on to the next level so that's kind of the equivalent of the c class and then the b class it's called it used to be called first series okay so i don't know how it's called anymore but um and then it was kind of the same thing and once you have enough then you're ready to move on and then so the french championship is this a the equivalent of the a class
0: okay so there's the levels and then the french championships the french cup and the european that's all a class only then. yeah yeah okay i got you
1: and so this a class for those uh championships those a class start at, at the local level. Okay. And so it's, you have a schedule a schedule of competition. So you start in September and you, you do the local in September and October, and then November and uh, and December, then you move to a regional or inter or state and inter interstate. Okay. And then by the time it's like January or February, depending on the, the, the schedule, uh, how this, the, the season is scheduled, then you fight for <laughs> for the final uh, championship.
0: Now, are like the A-class fighters, are they full-time athletes or do they also have jobs too?
1: It's, that's the thing with Savat. Now you have, you know, this, this uh, section which is called Savat Pro, but for the rest, it's all amateur. So all, most of the top fighters, they can get sponsored by a company but they have to have a job with the company. And they can get some time off to train and uh, for competition and such, but um, it's, it's completely amateur. That's why they've been trying to get it to a point where it can be considered as uh, uh, in, into the Olympics.
0: Professional type sport then, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So now when did you come to America? What, what brought that on?
1: i came here the first time in 1989 um, okay. so i was i was still competing at the time uh, but i was also um you know considering things to do with you know as a career and i really didn't have anything and my idea was just to go traveling for a few months and um because europe was was starting to be was just starting basically like there was nothing said but um this idea of you know being able to from one country work in another country uh was very appealing to me and so i decided to to come here to learn english and to learn spanish as well and you know my idea was just to go back and and try to see if i could uh, get a job somewhere um and anywhere in europe really
0: so your intention was not to move here and stay here it was just to come to no right and away. To go back.
1: Yeah not right away uh, but I, I met the love of my life and then <laughs> um, you know we went back and forth for three years and then I decided to move here in 1992 so three years later um, and then you know then I had the chance to uh, have a contact through the international federation of a coach a French coach salad coach uh, Francis Echina who used to be an instructor under Guru Dernino Cento and and he had this section so i had this number and i called him and he was like "Well, you know i have some guys that uh, i'm taking to France for fight it would be nice if you could come and and you know trade with uh, train with them and
0: that's how it all started so guru dan is he helped get you started here in the states then is that it yeah guru dan not right away but one of his uh, instructors
1: francis echinard at the SAVAT section and I had this number through the International Federation uh, contacts. Okay. And so, uh, because he was he was um, uh, taking uh, fighters from the US to go fight uh, in Europe, in France, uh, people like Chad Stahelski and Mark Stewart. Uh, I had a chance to, to meet them. I, I had no idea who they were, but uh, I had a chance, to, a chance to train with them and then those people were the one who introduced me so Mark introduced me to uh unique publication to do you know the video series that I did back then and Chad uh, basically took me under his wing and invited me to teach at the Academy and under the uh, benediction of, of Guru Dan, and
0: and that's how I basically got started nice and then did you finally do you have like a school that you teach out of permanently or you just kind of do seminars
1: no, I just do seminar and have the online program.
0: Okay, so I'll, let's talk about your online program. So you have a Savat online training program for students and I guess for instructors too, correct?
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's Can for, you talk about that? Yeah, it's for anybody who's interested. So there's there's anything from um, the the history of uh, of the art to uh, the the basic technical requirements starting from the stance all the way to the kicks and then some combinations and then the ranking progression. Um, and then, uh, it is a platform that allows me also to put up some material that, uh, that I'm, uh, you know, that I use when, um, when I teach, uh, seminars and, and workshops. So my goal is to put as much as possible uh on this platform so people can you know kind of pick and choose what they want if they're interested for just the basics then it's there if they're interested for uh you know competing in savat then it's it's there if they're interested in taking some savat drills to apply to other arts, like i do for you know um uh, Mars, uh, Martial Research uh, System with Ron Balicki or CSW uh, and uh, STX Kickboxing with Eric Paulson, then uh, it's out there as well.
0: Okay, so now somebody could come on and they can start from a complete beginner if they have an interest in Savat and they can start learning and then they can also test with you too?
1: Absolutely, yeah, they can organize. Uh, so the test, the only requirement for the test is that they have someone to test with and, uh, and they can, uh, we can do that online and I schedule um, at the time where uh, we can do that. So, you know, I, I of course, I, I would rather test people impressive. live. Yeah, uh, because that's really when you can appreciate, um, you know, what, what they can technically do. But um, it's the idea of uh, giving this opportunity for people who don't have access to a gym they have training partners uh, is I think it's it's very uh, very appealing to me because over the years I've had people you know getting in touch with me from like anywhere in the world or or even the US but you know if you're in the middle of a state somewhere and you don't have the opportunity to train and you're interested you know all you had in the past was you know DVD or VHS when I first came in Uh, but now we have this interaction through um, through this website where I can communicate with people and and be a little bit more in tune with what their needs are and and some questions that they may have.
0: Okay, nice. Now, America, Savat is not as big as I would think that it would be. What is, why is that do you think? Uh, If if I
1: knew the answer, uh, I would, do everything I can to fix it and change that
0: <laughs> yeah 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 yeah.
1: because it's been around for a long time and and when I see the growth of of MMA compared to you know Savat which you know to be to be fair Savat as as uh, haven't has not really evolved um we don't have structures in place where you know if someone wants to learn Savat, if someone wants to learn Taekwondo they can go anywhere and they'll find a Taekwondo school and yeah. we don't have that in savannah so it's not spread enough to give people the opportunity to train if they want to train anywhere they are they are so of course if you're in chicago or in new york or uh, you know in la of course you'll find places where you can train yeah. but if you're in the middle of the state it's going to be very tough you really have to want it and so you know the platform the online platform is is really the best uh, choice
0: yeah yeah Now uh, to go back to some training, um, so when you first came to America, were there any kind of cultural differences that you had to adapt to when you came out here as far as teaching and training? Um,
1: I would say no because I had the chance to to be introduced to the you know, Innocente Academy. Um, almost right away within a couple of months, uh, you know, after I'd moved uh, to the country and, um, and, you know, Chad introduced me to Guru Dan and, and we started this class and there was not really any, uh, any problem because people already had the same background, like uh, Salem Asli had been in place for a long time already. And there was this, this culture that was understood, but I, it was not understood everywhere like it was at the academy of course because the academy has been welcoming you know um, for like 20 plus years already
0: yeah that was through solemn uh, is that how is that my saying? yeah
1: Yeah. Asli, who unfortunately passed away a few months ago
0: yeah
1: so big loss for for the sabbath world and but um no i didn't find any um any issues? I mean, besides the language barrier, which was, yeah. you know, pretty pretty rough uh, for people to understand me. Uh, no, you don't do it this way. You have to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but um, you know, once I mean, if people have been introduced to Samad, then they know that they have to wear shoes. So you know, it's once that is understood, I think there's no um,
0: there's no issues. Yeah. Now, when you were uh, competing. Did you have any kind of like, you know, I don't know, crazy things happen or a situation that happened that was just very different um, when you were competing or embarrassing or anything like that? Embarrassing?
1: Yeah, my first full contact fight. Oh, yeah. Very embarrassing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I just was not ready. Like I had no idea what, you know, what I was stepping into. Uh, I I didn't realize that uh, what I was doing in training was just not enough. And that you know the punches to the head were for real. <laughs> and so and happens- I just uh, so here's the thing in Sabat when um, whenever the ref feels like one of the fighters is yeah. in difficulty, there's a standing eight count. And you know, for the same reason that uh, it's they don't allow uh, people to do for contact until they're 16 years old. Uh, the integrity, the physical integrity of the fighters is what primes over anything else. Yeah. So they are standing a count and if it keeps happening, the third one is, uh, yeah. And that's is that what per a round or
0: is that for the whole fight?
1: It depends. It depends. Oh. Uh, it can happen in the, you know, in the very first round, uh, but it can happen over the course of, of, uh, you know, five rounders
0: so what happened to you You just kind of got overwhelmed with the punches to the head yeah
1: <laughs> you yeah. can't say that you can say that and i just realized that mentally i was not ready and and i just had to uh, to change something so i was very disappointed because you know i was proud of what i was doing and how you know uh, technically proficient i thought i was at the time and i just didn't realize that that was just not enough so it was great i think that was the best experience i've ever had uh because that's really what turned my outlook uh, on
0: everything uh, after that. Now, did it take you like a few matches to become fully adapted to the full contact? Or did it, after that first one, it was like you fixed everything that you needed to work on?
1: Well, the the first thing I did was um, went to see another coach. And that's the one that, um, you know, really led me to, uh, to, the success that I had, and then also to uh, go to start going to the boxing gym and and just complement my training
0: with uh, with boxing. Okay, so you you started finding more maybe a, is it more competitive school is that what it was?
1: Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. And then you also in implemented boxing more then? Too?
1: yeah. And it was absolutely necessary. I mean, I just didn't understand what it was, and I was just not ready for it. And I'm not ashamed to uh, to say it. You know, um and I think my coach was also you know, it's funny because when uh when we did the um uh the documentary on Discovery Channel uh, years okay. back, uh, the the people that were doing the 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 show wanted to feature one art with one person and in the birth country. So yeah. They asked me, you know, to go back to France and meet with my coach. And I wanted to talk to my coach. Um, and um, and so uh, when they interview my coach, that was what he was interested in is to see if he could change my frame of mind about fighting and if he could make a fighter out of me, basically, because that. Now, good are you technical talking about tools. your original
0: coach or the one you had to go to? Yeah, the second
1: one, the one I went to.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And, um, uh, and it did, and I was really a matter of, you know, me kind of, uh, taking the time. So I took, uh, two to three months, I think something like that, uh, to just to reset and to really like fully understand what it took for me. Cause everybody's different. I mean, you have people that can come to the gym, you know, on the first day and they're really in fight. I just wasn't, I was not that type of person. Uh, but the, the one thing that he made me understand is that you can become that it's you can train someone psychologically to be what they need to be when the time
0: is uh, set for that and that's fighting now what did he do anything specific with you that you could think you can remember to help you become yeah. that?
1: yeah yeah um so
0: like I would say me
1: at the gym, I was, uh, I was very happy with what, what I was doing. Like, you know, I had good technical skills and, and at the gym, I would like overwhelm people with, you know, like a succession of multiple kicks and all that kind of stuff. But what I really needed is to be able to, uh, get better, uh, with adversity and accept that being hit is part of the game and you know take it in and and just get stronger um, at every level and so one of the things that he did he actually made me work with people that were not as uh as good technically than me but were bigger and much more aggressive okay and he completely changed my game uh and that's that's really what uh what made the difference um and it you know, from there, I, I competed a little bit in boxing as well, and I just get this training in boxing. I th- that was important to me, uh, and um, and I just became. I mean, I wasn't a fighter before. I was just, you know, someone who was like good at the gym. But you know, being good at the gym doesn't mean that you can be successful in the ring.
0: Yeah, now. Two different words. Absolutely. Now, when you were competing, how did you prepare? uh, mentally, like I'm talking about the day of the competition. How did you prepare for that? It's not, you know,
1: I would say it's, it's not just, a, a one day thing. Um, it's to me, it was a lot of visualization. Okay. Like in the weeks leading to the event and, and seeing myself in, situation where I was successful, but being able to see myself in situations where I was in trouble and overcoming this.
0: So would you create the situations in your mind to see how absolutely
1: could, yeah to play around? Yeah. And, and I would just play and play and play and play. And those those would be the things that uh, that I just keep playing in my mind when I was shadow boxing by myself, when I was at the gym working the bag or, or any of that kind of stuff. I had those images just just constantly. In my mind, like that was, that was my world. <laughs> That's what I was, um, you know, I was, I was single. I was, uh, just, I guess,
0: really narrowly focused on, on this objective. And you just, and, and you, and you, you believe that that had a big impact on your own personal training then doing that kind of visualization and, and setting up these yeah. different scenarios.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that was a big change. And the fact that I knew I could, you know, I could take a shot and I could, you know, sustain pressure and I could be in a situation where I was not necessarily successful and, and overcome uh, those obstacles.
0: Okay. And then day of of competition, was there anything that you did just to you, you yeah, did all the I, work and now it's uh-huh. a
1: day of? So the day of, I think it's it's the routine is is what's important because it makes you feel in control of what's happening. So. Um, isolated yourself, um, you know, quiet places, uh, music, uh, coming music, and then every now and then just, just going back through the routine and, and, you know, ah, and, and visualizing more and more and more. Um, and then having time where, you know, you come and you, you, you talk and you talk with the people around so you can, you know, kind of erase it and then you know for the next sequence then well there's inevitably when you by yourself there's going to be a time where you right back there and you start focusing again and focusing again and then you just wipe it out so um like a lot of fights uh, that uh we had you know we had uh as a team uh, we would leave the friday night before the competition go to paris or any other country uh travel by night go um go to the hotel and rest until the weigh-in and the weigh-in in sabbat is an hour before the start of the competition. Yeah. So it's not 24 hours like it is in boxing. Um, so that means that he really can eat, you know, much until, you until know, He's done with the, the weigh-in because if you over your weight limit, you only have one hour to make that weight.
0: And that so, helps with weight drastic weight cutting too, right?
1: Absolutely absolutely i think that's a very 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 good thing uh because what you see now in in like any level i mean you see people that you know like they drop like 15 to 20 pounds like you know, a yeah. day or two days before and that's it's gotta i mean i don't know i've never been in that situations but i cannot imagine that you had you can be at 100 percent of your your physical capacity having lose lost that much weight it's impossible yeah. It's impossible it's draining mentally
0: yeah. and
1: it's draining physically
0: yeah
1: and then putting you know that kind of of you know extra like pressure water, yeah yeah so you have this extra pressure and then you're done with the weight and then you just you know rehydrate yourself and and you you, you up like you know 15 pounds in a day that's i mean i i know what it feels to put way back on because yeah. of course after the fight is when <laughs> You know when you're, you 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 kind of binge, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you put up weight, and the day after that you feel miserable because like it can't move, it doesn't feel right. So I I, I really have problem with this drastic kind uh, of weight. Hmm. And I, I can only imagine what people would be able to do if they were really at hundred percent of the capacity. You know
0: yeah and if yeah. they didn't have to drop all their weight yeah um now looking back on your training um is there any instructors that had a an impact on your that have really impacted your training and your life i guess um, i guess the second instructor is that it
1: yeah absolutely and then uh and then really getting more into uh, into into boxing and, and kickboxing. It was it was difficult at the time to like we didn't you know like we didn't have K1 we didn't have K2 when I was competing. That really started you know after. So it was it was difficult to have uh, those you know live even that's so easily available now nowadays. Or you go on YouTube and then you can fight any fight that you want. Yeah. Uh, you know in in the late 80s we didn't have this
0: (laughs) i mean you know if you You did not have an iphone to record anything
1: no you could get some videos i mean like chad for example i know like he used to go to uh to the uh, the thai market to get uh you know to get uh tapes from from thailand so of course we couldn't you know understand anything but yeah you could you could see koban you could see you know decker fighting those top guys you could see that uh you know fights from the lupini and then you know the K1 started to uh, to become available, so I don't know we go to the Japanese place and you know get those uh, bootleg videos <laughs> and, yeah. and starting watching and and sharing uh, those. So it's like watching others. And from the time I, I I got here, I really was so lucky to be at the academy and to have such a wide diversity of styles available and and yeah. high caliber people so really well versed in in so many different uh type of martial arts so you know guru down of course and then i mean you know chad and eric paulson and ron Baliki and Devin caro and i mean it's you know and people coming from out of town and you know eric being people from japan and me inviting you know some of my friends to come and, and train so yeah, different style, I think, um, uh, like all the, the, the trapping, all the, um, the angles from, uh, from Kelly, the different ranges. I mean, those, those were good, 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 uh, good tools that reinforce some of the principles that, you know, I, I felt, uh, already very strongly about.
0: Okay, now for the, uh, we're gonna wrap it up. So for the next year, do you have any specific goals you're looking to accomplish for Savat over the next year or five years?
1: Okay, so for the next year, yes, absolutely. Um, I would like, um, so it's gonna be a uh, year, we have uh, Roger Larry uh, from Duggerberg Academy taking over the uh, as the president for the United States uh, Federation. And, um, so we're gonna to need to have some elections and I wanna make sure that uh, we have as many people coming, you know, from from the country, coming together with the same goal. That's my goal. So a new, a new beginning for Sabat and try to have a development that will allow people to be able to train in, you know, different places in the country. That's, that's really the goal. So it's been for a lot of time, for, for the longest time, it's been, You know centered in in California and then it was centered in more you know Chicago Um, now I would like but it's me I would like a location where you know people come together with you know that one goal of of making it grow
0: okay now if somebody is interested in getting started learning Savat how can they reach you
1: Uh, they can reach me through Facebook or they can reach me at uh, savat.teachable.com which is the the website, uh, the online training website. I have another website, uh, nicolaseniacsavat.com dot uh, com, as well, where you know they can uh, visit and learn about me and get in touch with me and ask me questions. There's the the website for the USSF, United States Savat Federation, where they'll get um, you know contact with uh, the clubs that are affiliated with um, with this uh, federation and. Um, so they can go to places where you know they may have the opportunity to uh, to train as well uh, but you know facebook i think is probably the easiest way uh, to to get in touch with me
0: all right well i appreciate you coming on the podcast today sir you have a wonderful day well
1: you do the same and and you know again thank you for this opportunity it was uh it was a pleasure to uh, to talk with you and and to have you know that chance to uh, to talk about sabat so Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome, have a great
1: day sir. You too, thank you.
0: Have you always wanted to learn how to use a sword? You can grab my free five day online training course on the Korean sword. You'll learn how to draw the sword out correctly, all the basic cuts and stances. Afterwards, if you want to continue learning the sword, I have four different sets of videos which cover all the material up to fourth degree black belt. You can check it out at hidongumdovideos.com. That's H-A-I-D-O-N-G-G-U-M-D-O videos.com. Thanks for joining the Martial Arts Junkies podcast today. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Martial Arts Junkies and at MartialArtsJunkies.com Hit us up in the comments and let us know what you think.